Blog Talk Radio.
good evening, and welcome everyone to another week of Queen Conversations with Leah, Ebony, and Wendy. <clears throat> you just heard our our very own um, introduction introductory song by our very own. Uh, After Wild was the name of the song. Check that out when you have an opportunity. We're going to jump right in. Good, night. good evening, ladies. How are you all? Good evening. Hi. How are you? <laughs> doing good. Well, we have. Yes, we are, I'm doing well. Thank you. How y'all doing? Mm, no just glad Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Everybody made it all right? A few pounds heavier? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I can't fit my pants, so that's a good sign. That means the food was good. That means the food was good. Absolutely. That's good. What did y'all do? Well, you know, I, we went out on my end, but um, I always cook for my own house, and I generally try to do untraditional stuff for my own house. So, mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff that was not Thanksgiving esque, but all good. Mm-hmm. How about, How you, about you? Wait, all? Wendy, the question is did you get any visitors unannounced? <laughs> they know better. They know better. They know better. Mm-mm. They know better. They know Mm-mm. better. That's so funny. No, ma'am. None of that. None of that. Well, we were well, in glad um, to hear. East Louis. Yes, we were in East St. Louis. Um, actually, we had Thanksgiving in St. Louis, but we stayed on the East St. Louis side. And mm. I tell you, five days off of work, thinking that I would actually rest, did not happen. We played poker the entire day, the entire night. Stayed up to about four in the morning every day. Got about three hours of sleep, but hey, it's worth it. <laughs> I had a great time. That's good. Uh-huh. And you? <clears throat> Capital Grill uh, cooked my Thanksgiving dinner, and it was absolutely fantastic. So Come on, I didn't right. have to clean up anything. Had a wonderful steak. <laughs> Yep, it was absolutely delicious. I felt sick walking up out of there, but it was perfect. That's the way it to go. Yep. <laughs> That's the way to go. Well, we're going to jump into our hot topics, but before we do, let me give you all the listeners the call-in number just in case you want to call in and participate in the conversation, be it a question, a comment, just whatever it is that you need to get off your chest about what we're talking about. The number is area code 929 Four seven seven two three zero four, and press one if you are already on that line listening and you want to say something, and we'll see it and we'll get you right in as soon as possible. So today's hot topic we're going to talk about real quick is uh, the pregnant pastor. Um, anybody want to step in and explain what that's all about, and then we can have a few <laughs> moments of discussion. Okay. Yeah, I'll step in. Um... So I can't remember, I think it's somewhere on the East Coast, maybe New York. Um, So a pastor at a church um, realizes, I believe she was at Disney World, and realized she hadn't had her cycle, got a pregnancy test, realized she was pregnant, and um, had a lot of turmoil about it, you know, just thinking about the judgment that would come from the people um, in her congregation. And she just decided that the title of the blog was She Couldn't Live. Um, under other people's judgment So she decided to not step down Not take a, a season off But to continue preaching um, 
in, in yeah. her pregnant state. And she said that men do it all the time. They have these affairs. They cheat. They do all these things, and it's just brushed, you know, brushed to the wayside. So why can't she do it also? <clears throat> and um, so, you know, taking a, a stand um, that she she's pretty much, um, you know, pretty much said that um, it's not for anybody else to determine if she continues in ministry and. You know, it's it's caused a lot of debate in the church. Um, I read her blog. One of the biggest complaints from the body of Christ was there was no significant statement of remorse or repentance in her blog. It was pretty much she never called she never called it fornication. She never called it sin. She never used those words to describe the act leading up to the pregnancy. Um, and, you know, some people feel she should have stepped down You know, it's, it's all kinds of, at least for a season Some people feel she should have stepped down the entire duration of the pregnancy So it's just, it's caused a lot of conversation So what do y'all think? Woo! And how she filled the room <laughs> What do y'all that's think? A, that's a big one right there I I try to save my personal viewpoints from me. Um, mm-hmm. As a person in ministry, one of the first things I would say is that we are so judgmental. We've mm-hmm. become the police in the church more than being the loving, godly people that we are designed to be to draw people in. Uh, I will say, um, after reading the article, I I agree. I did not see anywhere in there where she felt remorse or even stated that she was sorry or felt ashamed. She did, in fact, say that shame and happiness cannot reside in the same place. So she decided, you know, to just remain positive and keep people around her. Uh, So if I were to have a qualm, it would be that there was no acknowledgement of the wrong that was done, especially in, in church leadership. But, again, I'm not one to bash or to judge. I'm not one to condemn and say you can't, you know, fulfill the call that God has because that's not for me to say. Uh, What I will say is that we all should be careful of the mantle uh, that we have, and it shouldn't be just for church leaders. It should be for anyone who is a follower of Christ. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we put so many sins, you know, we rank them. We put Mm -hmm. sexual sin, we put people who are homosexuals above anything else. But if I steal, it's just as bad. If I lie to you, it's just as bad. If I don't show up on time and I told you I would, that's just as bad, but we don't want to deal with that. But, um, you know, on one hand, I think she's being a rebel because Mm -hmm. she's a woman and she's seen a whole lot of male pastors go through the same thing and they're not called out on it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I hate to say kudos to her for standing her ground um, because I do believe that she should apologize and move and keep it moving. Um, mm-hmm. And had she done that, it may be easier, you know, for people to swallow that pill. But you know, mm-hmm. if she's a pastor and she steps down, I mean, I hate to say common sense, but who's going to take over the church if your pastor has to step down? You got to think you about know, those things. She wasn't the lead pastor, though. She she was one. Of, I think she was one of the oh, pastors okay. at the church. Yeah, I don't think she was the lead. Right. Because she told him at a church retreat, and I just got the feeling that she wasn't the head pastor. Uh, and I might be wrong, but I didn't get the feeling that she was the head pastor. I don't know. 
I might be wrong. But even that. if she were, even if she were um, the senior pastor of the church, there is a um, there's a hierarchy in ministry, and there's always somebody that you should be in submission to. And so whoever is over her, and that's really my thought process, not so much about whether she should be sitting down or not. It's really her attitude and her intent about it. Um, and whoever right. is her covering, th- there needs to be some conversation there to be able to to discern and decipher not just what's best for her to do, but what's best for as a person in leadership. What are you mirroring to your flock? You know, what are you, what are you, is this going to be a hindrance to the people of God, to the people who are on the outside looking in? And not to say that it's a, a sitting down out of condemnation, but a sitting down out of wisdom, perhaps, um, for the greater yeah. good. Mm-hmm. You know, My but who's the greater uh, good? Hmm? Who's the greater the question good? Then becomes, yeah, the question then becomes, if she's sitting down for the greater good, who's the greater mm-hmm. good? Is it for people to not Condemned? It's not even about condemnation. I don't don't necessarily, you know, it talks about if your eye offends offends you, pluck it out. So it's not necessarily about what somebody else would think um, that should know better. It's about people who don't know better and who are the weaker among you. Those are the ones that you have to be cautious of because you don't want to put them in a position where the people who know better know that fornication is wrong. But somebody who's weak in the faith will say, well, you know, my pastor, you know, is doing this, so this must, this must not be, this must be okay to Too an bad. extent. So that, right. when I say for the greater good, it has nothing to do with judgment. It has to do with, again, wisdom and the intention of the heart. And we know that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. So if you are doing this to be rebellious, to say, well, other people are doing this, I'm going to do it as a woman, you know, because I'm sick of men getting away with stuff that we can't get away with it. That's not, that's not of God. The intention of that is wicked. Absolutely. It's a, a, sense, a strong sense of entitlement. Um my my personal um opinion of it is looking at <clears throat> for me a period of stepping away from ministry in this situation or any situation where anyone in ministry feels that they have stepped stepped outside um the parameters of their role um is is not only for others but for her and that's the part that really Really, uh, I really worry about because with that, with her position, and with the birth of a child coming on board, there's a lot of. She mentioned judgment. There, there's so much going on spiritually in her life right now that I'm just concerned with the the impact on her, this child, and her ministry. So for me, stepping aside, stepping back would give her allow her time to process exactly what happened, you know, is this something, is she still in a relationship? You know, are they still being intimate with one another? What does that look like? What does God require from her at this time? How does God want to heal her? How does God want to move? And the reason why I'm saying I question if any of that happens because the tone of the blog was so, it's like I barely saw Christ in it. Um, It was a struggle to see, to even realize that if, if she had not been a Christian writing it, there was no recognition of, there was no agreement with what God says. There was no agreement with what he has outlined for us in the lifestyle we should live. Um, calling sin an, act, an activity, a personal activity, that's not how he calls it. 
you know. Oh, so no. when yeah, so when do I get in line with what he says? It's not about me. When do I decide that he said it the right way, that he knows what he's talking about when he calls it what he calls it? So for me, I'm just really concerned that, you know, she's created this atmosphere that is welcoming for her child in the sense that this is this child needs to come into a world where there's no judgment, but at the same time, that child is not the first child who's been born out of wedlock, you know. Um, we all have some some cross to bear. We all have some struggle um, in this life. It's not going to be perfect. We don't get to excuse our way out of consequences. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, I think we should definitely love on her, not not condemn for sure, but she Absolutely. also needs time to minister, to be ministered to. Um, by the Holy Spirit, Absolutely. so that's a concern for me. Yeah, and that there's an aspect with that that, and and we don't know what that looks like if that's happening or not. But you know, as the Scripture says, if your brother's overtaken in the fall, he which is spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of weakness, lest you be tempted and likewise fall. There mm-hmm. has to be somebody who is extending themselves to her, extending themselves to her to reconcile her back and. I don't know if her response to that is, I don't need to be reconciled because, I mean, it is what it is. I'm moving forward. We don't know what that looks like in her environment. So, again, not in a place of judgment, but just in a, in a place of concern for our sister and, and, you know, our spiritual sister, that clearly there's some level of deception going on there. If we're not even calling it what it is, which is saying, um, and recognizing that this child is being born in an environment um, where there's going to be some level of judgment. So saying that, you know, I don't want to born in criticism, it, it, head could be too big, and you cri- could be criticized about that. So that's just not that's not even reasonable. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. all they're too light. Yeah. You know, anything could be. You're going to get judged. That's just not the real world. But it, yeah. it's, an, it's an attempt in the church that we can't afford, which is mm-hmm. to say wrong is right and keep moving forward in ministry. We need to have people in leadership who have enough integrity to say, yes, I made a mistake, yeah. and clearly my mistake is found out. Unfortunately, my stuff is on the, is on the front line, but you know what? Because I am a person of integrity and a person who really loves the Lord, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm, even if she doesn't step down, I'm going to seek the Lord and see what the Lord wants me to do about this and how he wants mm-hmm. me to handle this instead of stepping out and saying, ain't nothing wrong with it, let's get over it and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there needs to be some yeah, restoration it's a, it's a and some one. accountability. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you all, again, have anything that you all want to um, contribute to the conversation, if you're listening in, the number is 929-477-2304, and you can press 1. On that note, we're going to move to our topic for the day, our, one of our topics today. We're going to talk about skeletons in the closet. How do you define a skeleton, and do you think you need to be to reveal all of your business, and at what point in relationships? That's me phrasing it uh, my own personal way. So what do we think about that, ladies? <clears throat> well, to be simple, a skeleton yeah. would be something that is a secret that you won't want other people to know. Mm-hmm. So... Some people's skeletons may be small, like I got corns on my feet. That may be somebody, I mean, that may sound really crazy. Mm-hmm. But some people may not want that man to know that they feet are horrible. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it could be as simple as that or it could be as big, uh, you know, as 
you know, maybe I've had infidelity before in a previous relationship or, hey, I don't ever want to have children, you know, I really depend, it depends on that individual to determine, you know, how big or how small their skeleton is. Yeah, um, typically something that that maybe has some kind of scandal around it, you know, like, I mean, it could be something where maybe at a job you commit some kind of criminal act or you got accused of something and now you're in a new town and nobody knows about it. Um, One of the big ones that um, in my particular uh, field um, are mental health issues, Mm. you know. Uh, sometimes people have schizophrenia um, or bipolar disorder or borderline disorder, and they don't want people to know that this is one of their uh, struggles, you know. And um, I asked this question in one of the, the Facebook groups, and people were like, you should never tell a skeleton. Like, well, some skeletons don't impact the relationship today, but some do. You know, some skeletons are actively in that person's life, and they don't really want, you know, people to know that that's something that they deal with because they're functioning. You know, alcoholism is a big one. Um, sometimes you'll never know until you start seeing the behaviors, addiction, all kinds of addictions. So, yeah. yeah, so I see it all the time with uh, mental health issues. That's just something that people don't really um, necessarily want, or, or even that they even could have been 20 years ago committed, you know, attempted uh, suicide. You know, that's something that uh, our struggle with cutting, those are types of things that people really have a hard time revealing. And I, I think it makes a difference what the what type of relationship it is, too. So, I mean, because depending, the skeletons, like you said, are vast. They can be something as minor as, like you were saying, the, the corn thing or something as major as mental illness. If If we're just friends, my skeletons really, and, and just basic everyday common friends, we're not, you know, I haven't known you all my whole life and all that kind of stuff. You don't need to know the intimate, you know, secrets of my heart. You know, I'm supposed to guard my heart because that's what the Bible says, out of it flows the issues of life. And so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be wise to just right. reveal all your skeletons to just common people in your life. But when you're talking mm-hmm. about life partners, you know, for the rest of my life, I don't think it's fair mm-hmm. not to, you know, that you have to use wisdom about the timing, but you can't make no choice for me. You can't decide, you know, right. what I'm going to live with and not give me the option of deciding if that's what I want to be bothered with because then that's when you have all kinds of other stuff where people start resenting you and, you know, I don't I don't know if I can trust you and all kinds of different things that if you would have just been upfront and honest, they may have left, but at least, at least you would have known that they made that decision on their own. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to make that decision for anybody. I agree. Yeah. But what are some skeletons that – people may be afraid to say early on, knowing that if they told them, then there would be no relationship. It depends the on the person. that comes to mind for me may be, you know, if someone has an STD. Mm-hmm. Now, clearly you should reveal that if you are sexually active in your relationship, but if someone knows that, hey, I'm HIV positive, you know, is that something that you believe it should be said up front or when you know a relationship is, you know, going to take its course? Personally, with something like HIV, I, did, I would, like, well, okay, there there are two different types of people. Some people, everybody knows their status. 
and they don't care. They use it as a platform to help others. Um, but then others who haven't come out the closet about it yet, I would not just, when I meet somebody, tell them that I'm positive. It would have to, you know, be some ground covered, some, you know, definitely before we made any type of physical contact, I would have to say something. But prior to that, no, I, I couldn't just open it up with that. Because if you're not out of the closet, Every time you tell somebody, you're risking that revelation being made by those people um, without your approval, you know. Right. Um, and so they, some people may use that as fodder to control that person if they're not, you know, if they don't have that per- person's good intentions in, in mind. Um, but ultimately, yeah, with, with things like that are going to impact the relationship now, that would definitely be something, you know, it, it it depends on the person. If it's a platform, they're going to know up front. But if not, I'm waiting. <laughs> I am waiting. What about um, I think children? Well, I think children? Any, 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 any skeleton that, that may alter somebody's life, health, lifestyle, anything like that of great importance, you should be told that from the beginning. And if you are dating somebody that you don't trust that much to be able to tell them that, you probably shouldn't be dating them because you don't have the right, again, to have somebody be put in a position that they didn't choose. You know, and and not just about the sexual stuff, the the STD thing, but, if you know, deal breakers like the, the not wanting children thing. Or, you know, for me, my personal thing up front, I tell you, I am abstinent. If you are not interested in living that lifestyle, I understand. Don't worry about it. You can run away now. I'm fine with that. But I don't feel like it's it's fair to get you used to me, comfortable with me, liking and enjoying me, and your lifestyle is such that you think, okay, after a period of time, when I start getting tingly, I'm going to be able to move in, and she's going to knock me in my face. You, you need to know what the expectations are and what you're dealing with <laughs> up front. I'm just saying because if you reach out and touch yeah. something, it's not going to be it's not going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. So okay, so there are different levels though because and that's a good example because I I, I use abstinence to weed out people, so I come out the door saying it so that way we don't waste each other's time, you know. But if I'm HIV positive, or it was another example y'all gave some some things like some people are just so you don't know. You don't really know yet, like, do you say it before you go on a date? Or do you say it, you know, when do you tell somebody that something that's that serious? Like, me being abstinent, I, I could say that in everyday conversation. That's not a skeleton to me. Um, but it's, it me, is for some folks. <laughs> they will walk out the door. Like, yeah, you cute, but I can't. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, well, definitely. here's a question. Here's a follow-up question. Uh-huh. Now, Wendy, you said that you would say that up front just so the man would know. Up front. Do you think yes. it's fair if they go along in the relationship and then it gets to that moment of, okay, truth time? Do you think it's oh, unfair for that, that other, other person in that, that moment? Okay. And so with that, I mean, it's, it, I dated this guy for six months. And told him, and when I say from the beginning, I don't mean I just meet you and I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm 
I said before I can give you my phone number. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we you know, we've gone out maybe we we we've become friendly. We've talked a little while on the phone, maybe, uh interacted, kiki, you know, the basics of who I am. When I say basics, I mean very basic because I'm very particular about who I share my, my space with. And we may have gone out a couple of times, and once I've decided, you know, this is somebody that I I could become interested in, and they could become interested in me. So now let's okay, let's think about this. Okay, um, that's the point where it's like, okay, let me talk to you about something real quick before you really start thinking that you you into me. Let me tell you, this is my lifestyle, and I don't just say this is something I do. This is a lifestyle because it's not just saying, right. oh, I can't, you know, I'm not gonna have sex with you. That means you're not coming in my house. That means you know, and I break it down. They're like, for real? Yes. So to 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 your point, what you were asking before, I dated this man this was some years ago, um, and he um, we were dating six months, and he came to my business and he said uh, we need to talk. I said okay, sure. I just I can't do this. I can't do this. Now at that point, I was at can't do it, but for another reason. And so I said okay, no problem. You know, not a problem. And my issue back then was I didn't like the idea of breaking up with somebody, so I would just let you just basically fade to black because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I don't have that problem anymore. So um, <laughs> I'm grown. I'm matured. <laughs> so anyway, he's like, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I said, okay, that's fine. Well, you didn't even ask what I was talking about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not playing this off very well. Well, what is it? And so he was like, you know, I can't. I don't. He said, and I quote, I don't think it's normal for somebody to be attracted to somebody and not want to have sex with them. And I can't do that. Oh, and wow. I told him, I said, well, I told you that. From day one, from the beginning, and his response was, I didn't believe you. Mm. Oh, okay. So am I supposed to feel, okay. I felt like, you the fool. I told you, you from day one. Absolutely. And his thing was, I've had women say that before, but then in the heat of the moment, you know, they, they turn into something else, and it's, you know, and it's all. Well, okay, I ain't that one. And it should have been, you know, evidence when you wouldn't come to my house. So we're on the abstinence. I believe it's safe to say that all three of us agree that, you know, we shouldn't have sex before marriage. Now, the question then becomes, when do you say that? For me, if I'm dating someone, it's already understood thing. Like I shouldn't have to verbalize to you that I am a woman of integrity. Why should I have to even verbalize that? You know, the person I connect with should read it, see it, discern it, whatever. Um, and, and if they try, that'll be the time for me to say, up, oh, pump your brakes. You know, this isn't an area where I want to go. That's why I was you asking forgot before, the hot topic. is it? Hmm? Huh? You forgot the hot topic, the pregnant pastor? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not understood. That's my point. It's not yeah, understood. It's not, it's not understood. Because yeah. people are living all kind of crazy ways out here and you, you just, know, you and just, having no problem saying you that. Just you just had know, a blessed oh, experience, Leah. <laughs> that's, that's not, no, no, that's no. not don't, common. Don't, don't let me first say I was not a virgin when I got married. I did not make it down the road. I wish I would have. So I don't even want to put that out in the atmosphere to say that I had it all together. I did not. Now, my, my ultimate goal was to <clears throat> clearly be a virgin when I got married. It just did not work that way. But at one point when I was dating, I never had the conversation to say, hey, I'm a virgin or, hey, I plan on, you know, waiting until I'm married. For me, it was just an understood thing. So my question again is, 
am I wrong for not saying it in the beginning? Because because then it turns into, well, why do I have to disrespect myself in that way to even say that to somebody? I don't see it as disrespect. It's it's uh, it's giving you an understanding of what the expectations are. These are the boundaries, and this is these are the rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's disrespectful. And, and for me, part of one of the things that I had to learn in it. In doing that, it gave it opened up the conversation that needed to be had, which I didn't understand at the time, about some things that I needed to stop doing because this was my lifestyle. I, you know, I'm I'm an affectionate person and I I like the way I look and all this other good stuff. And so it was like, okay, well, Wendy, if this is what you say and this is how you say we have to be in relationship, I'm gonna need you not to wear certain stuff around me at certain times. And you know, you can't touch me like that. And it's like, oh, it didn't mean anything to me. I wasn't getting no joys out of it. It was just the way that I was doing things. And so it opened up the door to be able to say, if this is what you say, it takes to deal, you know, to have a relationship with you. That's fine. I'm gonna go along with it. I, I, I'm gonna try my best, but I'm gonna need you to help me. Mm-hmm. Versus me just pretending. You know, I shouldn't say pretending, but be, believing that it should be understood because of other aspects of my lifestyle. And then when they violate that, I'm mad. And I I'm I'm pretty assertive and aggressive anyway, verbally. So. You gonna be clear about what I think anyway, but that's maybe that's a personality thing, and maybe everybody's personality doesn't accommodate that conversation. But I want to be clear because again, if you cross that line, I want to be I want to be um, being fair and checking it because I mean it, it goes to both ways. If you tell me something is is the way it's supposed to be, and I I come to, I say I'm in agreement with it, and then I violate it, you know you're supposed to be saying something to me. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, mm. at what point? Um, then again, we we just talked about you know at what point in the relationship should it be the beginning, and we we kind of didn't come to a consensus about that. So, what what point of the relationship do you think that should really come up? Once you know that there's a commitment, once there is a step towards marriage or an engagement, um, at what point do we say? I think it depends on what the, the skeleton is. Um, yeah. It, it, and, and even if it like if it if it doesn't impact the current relationship, um, hmm. Honestly, if it doesn't impact, that's that's a, a more touchy one. But if it's something that does, and it has for me, if it has stigma attached to it, you know. A negative way, and and it really depends on the person. Like in our discussion, we we brought up um, sexual abuse, and someone mentioned that if they found out the lady they were dating um, had been sexually abused, it would immediately immediately be the end of the relationship. He would not pursue it any further. That's it. You know, he's done. What? Uh, yes. And he has that right. <laughs> He has that yes. right. I don't have a problem with that yes. because I wouldn't want somebody to be with me dealing with an aspect that that important that they felt like they couldn't handle. They couldn't deal with. And But it really opened my eyes to how different people define a skeleton because, to me, there is no negative stigma for that person who's been abused. For me, that person, 
I would have open arms and, you know, I would be really supportive and I would assure them this is never anything you have to hide from me. I'm a safe place for you. But for that person, it really shed light to me, like, wow, we really do value skeletons totally different. And it's not a male-female mm-hmm. thing. It is not a male-female thing. It's really what the skeleton is. So um, for those things that have obvious stigmas, I would have to have a. I would have to develop a trust. Like if I was diagnosed yeah. with schizophrenia, I'm not going around telling everybody that I meet. I'm schizophrenic. Um, you are going to have to show me that you're first of all a safe place for me. That you Absolutely. have my best interest at heart. You have. You would. By that time, I would be checking in to see what kind of statements are you making about if I ever have an issue with my health. Would you take care of me? If you coming out the box saying no, you know, I just want to have a free life. I'm not trying to get tied down. That's you not the one. I can already determine that that's not something I can share with you. So it's like you have to test the waters to see can people handle your secret. Not yeah. everybody can handle your secret. And no one, not everyone, like you say, the Bible says we should guard our hearts. Um, and if we go around telling our secrets, I was on a post today, and somebody on the post just told us that she had been sexually abused by her father. And this was a this this had to have been a public comment for open to thousands of people and now you you've opened a wound in front of a group of people or you've opened an issue and it wasn't a platform for us to talk about sexual abuse but that door was open so you know it really for for that person has to demonstrate being a safe place that person has to demonstrate maturity to be able to handle what I have to bring to the table and I'm going to be sending you fillers to see you know, is are you can you handle this? I'm not going to give this to just anybody. So, in my opinion, yeah, I, I'm not. For me, I am coming out the box saying, you know, hey, um, I live a celibate lifestyle. Um, this is very important to me. I feel anointed and called to do things for the Lord, and I want to be um, as true to what I teach as possible. So, if you can't handle that, then you know. Um, and that that's that's me. For me, I can I I feel very comfortable, and I don't mind having that discussion at all, because honestly, Leah, <laughs> the average guy these days, it, it, that's you you're almost speaking a foreign language to them when you say that. Absolutely, um, it's not common even in in the church. It's, it's just so not common. It's not. It's barely an expectation. It's it's. It's understood that y'all are going to be having sex, and you might make them wait ninety days to have it. Jeez. So, yeah, it, it's. I don't know what. What do y'all think? Well, you know, somebody called me a unicorn once, and I said, "Well, what does that mean?" Oh, Lord. I said, "Cause nobody, nobody does that anymore." You know, <laughs> and I'm like, "A unicorn?" Because I'm tra- okay. So that's not that's not the norm. That that is definitely mm-hmm. not the norm, and it's definitely not something that you can just assume that not only people will understand, but that people want to participate in your life, mm-hmm. you know, to that degree. You know, it's like, oh, we can be cool, but no, that's okay. But I do no, I, I think I that there's, there's, stages, mm-hmm. there's stages to openness, you know. Um, and it, I, I don't think it's healthy because I personally wouldn't like that for somebody to just one day just start telling me everything. 
But you know, drop a little piece here and a little piece, and not not that you're playing a game, but you know, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you a little aspect of my heart and a little aspect of the other side, the, the non-public side of who I am, and see how you handle that before I just start pulling skeletons. One, you know, all these skeletons. Not that I got so many, but you know, there's there's stages, there's wisdom to it. I think I'm the how do you handle that? You gonna pull them you all out at the same time and say deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just well. For one, my personality is just I'm an open book. Um, mm-hmm. Now there are certain things you have to be in my complete tight circle to know the inner beings of me. But I I, I try my best not to keep secrets because it doesn't do any well for me, especially if it's mm-hmm. something that I'm trying to be healed from or or deliver from. I have to have a safe place to go. So I would be that one. Like If you ask me a question, I'm giving you the truth. I'm not going to say, well, you got to wait six months to figure that out and let me give this little dime to you and then wait another three. Nope, you're going to get every bit of it from the beginning. That way you can make a conscious choice of what you're getting into. <laughs> so let's and use schizophrenia as an oh, example, Leah. Let's use schizophrenia. Yes. So let's say... Let's say let's say that you manage your schizophrenia well because I, I'm trying to put the best scenario out there. You manage it well. You okay. take your medication. The average person, the average person, um, there's so much stigma with that particular diagnosis. They don't understand it. Would you? So you're saying like at what point early on do you say that? Hey, I'm, I'm schizophrenic. I take my medication. I go to my psychiatrist every six weeks on the diet. You know which. You know, that's such a rarity. But I, I do everything I'm supposed to do, and I haven't had an episode in 10 years. When do you have that conversation? Because we, 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 we give little tidbits on with our potential mate. Yeah. Are you saying I think that at the subject, beginning? I think that subject, that subject would have to come up in conversation. I don't think I would just up and say, hey, my name is Leah and I'm a schizo. You know, <laughs> at first, I think it depends on who it is you're dating. Like, the people that I've dated, I've known. We've been friends first, so I don't do the whole blind date thing, and I don't know who the people are. So if I'm mm-hmm. going on a date with you, I already know who you are. I already know background. We've already been in circles together. So mm-hmm. I'm not really getting to know you on a surface level anymore. <clears throat> but for a so again, if that subject came out like, hey, are there any health issues, I would say it. Okay. That's just me. Mhm. It's kind of hard well, not to. I, I, I don't up, think but. I would. I don't think I would. And I, I have unfortunately had the pleasure of knowing um, and and dating somebody who actually lost their mind, had a mental break. And that is not a pleasant experience. And had I known that they had, I don't think they knew actually, that they had some mental problems going on, mm-hmm. I would not. Because that that right. is a huge commitment, huge commitment, and a whole other lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know. And to an extent, you're kind of like a parent because you you helping them manage a disease. Mm-hmm. I I uh, uh, tell me from day one, so I can tell you I'll be praying for you from the corner because I'm <laughs> out. And and that's the part that breaks <laughs> my heart, especially with that population, because it's like when do they get a chance? For love, like oh, at he, what point? He got married. <laughs> he got married. So it's he like got, I wonder. It's like I wonder with and and I applaud people because like I went to this um 
this AA chip ceremony last weekend, and one of the speakers there, she's HIV positive, and she introduced her partner. And I applaud him for sticking with this woman because this woman was absolutely phenomenal. But the average person would have been like, well, HIV, peace, I'm out of here, you know. So it's like at what point do they say this is what's going on with me, but but I need you to get to know me first and know that I'm worth you risking whatever it is you have to risk to be with me. You know, she deserves love. The schizophrenic deserves love. When do they – I mean, to me, if I were in their shoes, you would have to build a relationship with me before I tell you because I need you to know that I'm a great person. And I just happen to have HIV. Or I just that ain't going to happen to have. That's a life. That's it a, is. That's a, a, a serious life. It and I, I think you have, to, you have to have the grace for certain things. And if you don't have that, you should not be forced into a life that you don't have what it takes to do well. And You're that's right. what, I, what I say right when I mean, it. you know what I mean? You, you, everybody's got their stuff. And even if it's not something as drastic as that, you have, I am a trip and a half. I will be the first to say, Wendy, is complicated. However, somebody is anointed for all of this over here. And if that's not you, step out the way. But I want you to have come the on, opportunity to, to uh, come into agreement and say, you know what, I'm ready for this challenge. I was born for this because that's my prayer for myself. God, send, send the one that when you created him, you knew he wasn't going to be right without me and vice versa. So mm-hmm. I don't think whatever your particular skeleton is, there's somebody somewhere. My dad always says every every pot has a lid. There's somebody that's anointed and graced and has the skill set mentally, emotionally, financially, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to deal with all your skeletons. But you, in the weeding process of discovering who that is, you have to be honest and tell people what's really going on. Yeah, I do. I definitely Agreed. believe that honesty, there is a place for honesty. Um, I think you brought up a, another topic that I think we should talk about. Um, in the future, and that is, is there a lid for every pot? You know, I tend to be on the probably probably the more pessimistic side. I don't believe there's a lid for every pot. Um, it might be a puppy. <laughs> that might be a lid. It might, it be, might be a puppy. A puppy. A what? A dog. A cat. It doesn't have to be somebody <laughs> of the opposite sex. But you, you were, we were born for companionship, and everybody was not we born were. for marriage. So it doesn't mean that you have you have somebody. It, it may be somebody out there for you, and it may be a whole other lifestyle that you know. It may be a dog, you know. Who's to say? But somebody is anointed to deal with you, the companion in your life. I'm just saying. But go ahead. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely believe I, I have a friend who um, I, I, I based this question off of a, a friend who this happened to. Um, she was not told that her husband was schizophrenic until after they were married. Um, and the way she found out, um, he stopped taking his medication so he could perform sexually. So, of course, he ended up having an episode, and she couldn't she couldn't figure out what was happening to him. And so that's how she found out that he was schizophrenic. So, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's very you know very sad. So. You know, it just made me wonder, when should he have told her? He should have told her for sure. I think we all agree on that. He should definitely have told her that. Um, but obviously he didn't He didn't trust her enough to handle um, the condition. And, of course, they're not married anymore. So, um, I mean, it was it was immediate. Um, you have the, the one said who says, well, did she ever love him? You know, 
Why does she leave? You know, um, but that's that's a huge deception. That is a major and deception. Come on, somebody. And, and that is enough. Yeah, I think that is enough. I think at the end of the day, there are so many scenarios we can give for skeletons. It could be, I don't ever want to be married. Or like we said, the simple things like corns on our toes. You just have to know you. You have to know what you can handle and what you can't and what you expect out of other people. You know, if if you give out honesty, I'm sure you're going to expect that back in return. So, um, you know, just know yourself, know your limits. If you know that you fall hard and quickly, I would suggest being honest up front because that's obviously something that you would want um, in return. What I would advise totally against is falling hard for someone and then finding stuff out because it hurts so much more when you could have just known the truth, you know, from the beginning. So I think if you set the foundation for honesty and openness, things will sort of naturally come as people feel comfortable. But make yourself comfortable and vulnerable, and I believe – that you will get it in return. And that's assuming that you have two healthy whole people, which may or may not be the Absolutely. case. So as as much as you can you can do the right thing, you may have somebody that may not do the right thing. So not only with knowing yourself, but you have to also engage and employ the Holy Spirit to help you and listen to him as he's telling you stuff and giving you alerts and be willing to heed the the um the quickenings, the the cautions and all that kind of stuff and not override it just for the sake of having some companionship and may end up not being companionship in the long run. So, ladies, this was a great topic. We're going to uh, take a break and have a commercial um, and a song, and then we're going to come right back and start a new topic. So get ready, and we're going to do it. We'll be right back. i 
And welcome back, everyone, to Queen's Conversation. We're on our second half. That was B.J. McKenzie's Born to Win. And this, again, is Queen Conversations with Leah, Abby, and Wendy. And we are missing our fourth one today, Lakeisha, but she'll be back on our next show. We're going to start our next conversation, and this one ought to be good. This is uh, We're going to be talking about Daddy's Little Girls. Um, and how this impacts relationships and so forth and so on. Um, I am a daddy's girl. How about you all? Well, um, mm, I'm not a a daddy's girl. Love my daddy. We have a great relationship, but I wouldn't qualify as a, I'm not a daddy's girl. Okay. Well, my mother, my mother tells me that I am. I will take her word for it. I love my dad. <laughs> I love them both equally. Me and my dad, Ooh. though, we have a very, very special, special bond. And I always say, before I got on this thing, was thinking I didn't want children. Uh, 
that if I had children, I, I wanted a daughter because I wanted, I think every little girl and young lady deserves to have that experience because it is it is an experience to feel like if nobody else in the world absolutely adores you, your dad does. And I think that that is what the, the epitome of a daddy's little girl feels. You feel like if nobody else in the world likes you, your dad loves you and thinks you the bomb.com. So That's right. I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, how do you think it impacts your relationships to be a daddy's girl? Ooh, I, I think it's a catch-22 because if you're raised in the home with your dad, you see the good, the bad, the ugly. You pick up on hopefully all the good traits. Uh, for me, I patterned who I would date after him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was pretty besides Jesus. He was my guiding post because he showed me you know how to treat a lady, um, what godliness looked like, timeliness, uh, how to balance a checkbook. I mean, pretty much everything that I saw a male do is what I looked for in the male. Now I will say that it brought about some false expectations because I thought mm-hmm. you know. Hey, if my dad could do it, you should be able to do it. My dad, you know, I was one of those, my dad does this, and, you know, he raised me to be this way. And so, you know, there was a little bit of resentment with some of the people that I've dated. Um, but it was, you know, when you have that that milestone, it's like it's hard to not get that because you've seen it. So you know that someone out there could be like your dad. I never wanted anybody like my dad, even though I think he, he is the most specialist ever uh, in so many different directions that could, that could go. But I think more so, I mean, he's a cool dude, but he's, we're too much alike, and I don't want another me. Um, but what I took from being a daddy's girl um, were the, the, the lessons of, for life for myself. So I learned kind of sort of what men like and what, what turns men off and um, different things like that, and not just what my dad likes and things like But, you know, my dad talks a lot if you listen. And so it was things that he would say like, you know, little tidbits that I never forgot. Like he would say, you know, um, if he, for holidays, and I think I mentioned this before, always make sure you cook for your own house because you, your husband never wants to be subject to eating somebody else's cooking. If, you know, he knows he can always come home and he's going to have food at his own house, you know, that's it's comforting for a man. So things like that. And then my dad is very crass, like his daughter, and he would say stuff like, um, you know, men are real easy. You know, you treat them like a baby. You keep them fed, clothed, and warm, and they are right. And then he broke down what that meant. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. You know, so I think I took more of that, <laughs> right, from being a, a daddy's girl more so than expecting somebody else to be like him because he's too much sometimes, just like me. So it's like, oh, no, two of us in, in the household, we weigh each other out. I need some stability, right? <laughs> I need somebody that, you know, you know, the opposite of me. I don't need love me because I would wear me out. I would. Um, The impact on relationships You said that um, It it wore out some of your The exes in your life Yeah it did Obviously a negative way Yeah some was positive But some was negative because they felt like They couldn't 
you know, make the goal in a certain sense. Um, I Now, Dad showed me the real side of marriage. He didn't show me just, you know, the fluff stuff. We saw the real side of what marriage looked like. Um, but he was just, he's very practical. He taught me how to be a lady. So he really didn't spend much time telling me what kind of men to look for. He prepped me to be the woman that I needed to be. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I could have dated whoever I wanted to, but it was, you know, if you're not respectable, if you don't have goals, you know, I'm putting that on my dad, but that's really just parenting. That was mom and dad, really, to be honest. Um, but if they felt like they said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing, and the fact that my dad's a pastor too, I mean, good Lord, like if they if they said the wrong scripture, it was like, nope, you caught on that because that ain't what the word says. So it, you you have all of those things housed in one man. So you know, not just the dad, but you got the pastor dad, um, and then you have the friend dad. So it was it was all compiled in one. Now my husband believe it or not, is very similar to my dad. Like, it's crazy. Their their lives are almost completely matched together. And it's it's a sight to see. Different personalities, but I guess I got my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm... Um... Um, I, I think I, I was equal with, with my adoration of my parents. Um, my dad was definitely about five steps higher than my mom. Um, but to me, he was so superior that I would tend to lean towards my mom because I felt like he was winning in so many areas. She needed me to to <laughs> to beef, beef her up. I know that's crazy, but yeah, that's what I thought. But me and my dad, we have a, an amazing friendship. Um, and though he, you know, there's there's aspects of him that are probably in every guy I've ever dated. One of them is his humor. Um, and he's an alpha male. I've always dated alpha alpha men. Um, he's, um, you know, he he loves family and and gatherings. You know, things like that. Uh, but our friendship um, definitely um, it's it's only impacted one relationship, and that was my marriage. And hmm. just to say it in a negative way, it, it negatively impacted our marriage. My marriage. And so um, my ex, and I think we're going to talk about this in a future show about cleaving. I actually may talk about this one, cleaving. Um, or was it last show we talked about cleaving and how um, my ex didn't feel I, I ever um, separated, severed the relationship with my dad. And um, so he felt like that bond was still too strong deep into our marriage. Um I tend to disagree with that, but that's his perception, you know. Um, Can you to that episode, like, what specifically did he feel was wrong? Well, he feels like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Well, like, okay, so one of the, the biggest mistakes I made when we first got married, we were broke. We went out to eat for my graduation or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And... um we went to an expensive restaurant, and I was over finances. My parents were going to pay for the meal, and my ex wanted us to pay for it. And when the ticket came, when the bill came, I gave the bill to my dad. So I deferred to my dad and not to him. So that was that was a huge 
issue for for my ex. That oh, was a huge I can issue. see that one. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge issue. And so that was that was the last time that happened. It was the first. It was it was like we were I don't even think we were married a month when that happened. But I quickly learned, oh, okay. But deep into the marriage, um, things would happen where um one of the one of the big ones, they got to it one Christmas because um my dad we I would miss like some batteries for some toys and my my dad asked him if he could go to the store and get batteries because he had already told the girls no you can't use the batteries in my Xbox remote or something like that. So they got into it because my dad was like it's Christmas, the girls need batteries for their toys and I don't, if I knew where to get the batteries cuz they were visiting us, I would go get them, but you being their dad can you go get the batteries? And my ex was like, no, nah, you go get them. And they just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it was one of those situations where I should have stepped in, but I didn't um, because I was in my okay. own feelings about the whole thing, too. <laughs> I'm over there mad, too, you know. So my my dad didn't have a say-so in my marriage. He, he didn't – he wasn't the person – um, who would speak his voice into my marriage. As a matter of fact, we never talked about my issues until after we were already separated uh, and, and actually filed for divorce. So, um, yeah, so they, they didn't get along. But that was the, the only relationship I've ever had where my partner did not get along with my dad, and it was the most critical relationship. So it's very interesting. And I think that that's a that's a, a transition that we don't generally have the opportunity to prepare for, is the going from dating, uh, the covering of your father to the covering of your husband, because that is such that's a huge right. transition, and and it's like flipping, you know, you expect it to flip a light switch, but there has to be somebody who helps you, you know. And I, I know a couple, maybe about two years ago or so, I started. Um, paying attention. My dad and I used to talk every morning on the way to work. And I started paying attention to um, just the amount that his voice, not just what he said, but how, how much his voice made a difference in my mind and in my life. And it's like, okay, well, Wendy, he's not always going to be your your covering. So you have to start pulling back a little bit and recognize that this at some point is going to be an issue. So in in the process, I had to start preparing myself, and I really think that, you know, he probably started feeling the same thing because I started seeing both of us pull back. And it wasn't just for me, for my future, but I was too much, you know, and not that I've ever made any comments about his marriage or anything like that because I wouldn't do that, but I knew too much. Mm-hmm. And there were some boundary issues because we were just too close. And mm-hmm. so somebody has to have some wisdom, start transitioning, um, daughter's, and fathers into the into the the new territory because that's a new territory and I I don't think that it, it I I think we think about it but I don't think it's thought about on the fathers and the effect that it has on them you were that knight in shining armor my dad used to say that he swears he still has an S on his chest somewhere they you know and he swears it doesn't mean stupid he says it's Superman but whatever um, nevertheless <laughs> that's a transition from you being the best man I've ever met in my life who's always you know been my number one to now you got to take a back seat to my new number one. That's that starts, I think, a little earlier than what we, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, it's, it's yeah. we talk maybe once or twice a week. So, it's, it's, and then we it's have definitely it's definitely an active process. Um, 
because I've, I've never been one. My mom wants me to talk to her every day. My dad, I would go through periods of time where we would talk every day. Like when he was first diagnosed with cancer, we literally talked on my lunch break every single day. Um, I, was, I was pregnant. He had cancer. We kind of needed each other um, during that season. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's something that I was very mindful of. But at the same time, it was it was more about the quality of, my marriage than it was a reflection of my relationship with my father um, in, in this particular situation. Um, but, yeah, I definitely can see how there is no talk, there, there's no discussion for this in, in in the body. There's no no one really helping to make that transition and bringing uh, things aware other than monitor, you know, your your interactions with your family in general. You know, right? Uh, how much input they well, can I, get I to think, your marriage? I think we make a misconception that fathering continues until you're married off, when in actuality, parenting itself really dies down when you become an adult. That's the way I was raised. Once once we got out of that house, it was come back to visit. Do not come back to stay. I will be here to help you. And support you, you know, and if you need me, I'm here. But my parenting mm-hmm. is over. And so it was an easier transition for me uh, before I got married. And then my dad had a conversation with me to really put the casket in the grave to say, you know, you are my friend now. I will always be your friend. Like, my parenting is over. Call me if you need me. But he made it a point to say, you know, he would never step in my marriage, which he, neither of my parents, I think we talked about that last show, there's a boundary set to where I never have to worry about putting my father first or, you know, above my husband's place because it was there from the very beginning. It was an, it was an understood thing. But there, there's a, children, children need to be parented, but adults need to be coached. You know, and so there, there is a um, a value in having your parents available to coach you through certain situations. Now, that may not be applicable for your everyday life, but you know, it's like you know, you you've already done this, and you some of the stuff you've done well, and some of it not so much. You know, so right. you know you have you have some value in that. But for our, for our listeners, if you want to call in and contribute to the conversation again, the number is nine two nine. Four seven seven two three zero four, and press one if you want to again step up and say something and add to the conversation. So yeah, but there, there's some value in the coaching, but the parenting again that's for kids. And if you don't consider yourself to be a kid, then that that part is over. Right, that part is over. Um, yeah, but I, I do, Abby. I agree with you. I don't think that that's a conversation that we have, especially for fathers, especially. You know, when do you cut it off? Because, you know, I don't think any father wants to see their daughters especially mistreated, even if you're married. So, you know, there may be some who don't know how to keep that boundary and allow life to happen in in that person's household. Um, I think it will be a very good thing to do, but... Shout out to the fathers, though, like the real daddies who in these children's lives because we hear so much about, you know, fatherless homes. We do know that there's an epidemic, but 
you know, for us to be on this call to actually talk about our fathers being present in our lives is such a tremendous blessing. So anyone out there who, um, you know, has a wonderful father, let's not wait to Father's Day to honor them. We can honor them through our lives every day. So shout out. Shout out to my daddy. I love him. Um, and shout out to all the good daddies out there. Yes. Yes, they are they are priceless and they make um a mark on our lives that truly cannot be erased. So we do appreciate them and love them dearly. But I I do have a question though along uh with this with this particular topic. So if um you were in a situation like you spoke of with your dad and your former husband and somebody had to get put out, mm-hmm. who was gonna go? <laughs> Ooh. Woo. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you what happened. For me, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. That's easy. Daddy would have to get his time going on home. Yeah. What What ended up happening was uh, my ex just left. He He wasn't put out, but he He left because he was frustrated. And, and actually, for a while before that, um, he just stopped coming around when my family came in town in general because he and my dad just didn't get along. Um, and it wasn't just my dad. Sometimes he and my mom didn't get along. Him and my sister didn't get along. It was always somebody. It wasn't just my dad or him, him, my aunt. You know, he made two of my aunts cry on two separate occasions, you know. Um, so it's, it's in this particular situation, my family isn't the type of family that, that actually will speak into my marriage. Um, so it, it would be it would be a rare occasion for it to come down to, hey, y'all have to leave because you know of such and such. But um, unfortunately, in, in the situation, this one particular situation um, that I brought up in the call, I was so frustrated. I was in my flesh that I did not stop it because I was mad. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you need to go get the batteries. <laughs> the kids need the toys. And then I felt bad because I didn't, it was on me to buy the batteries and I missed it. So I was already feeling guilty. Um, but what made it, what, what what magnified it was there were batteries in the house that the girls could have used, but he chose to not allow them to use those batteries. So it was a, it's a very complex little situation there. But ultimately, yeah, in, in a in a black and white situation, Daddy has to go. Yeah. In a black and white situation, and daddy has to go. Um, and that's, the that's, reason that's I asked that was because one of the lessons, too, that my dad told me years ago was he said, you know, one thing you never want to do to a man or with a man is um, violate his sacred space, and that's in his home. He said, because a man mm-hmm. wakes up fighting and goes to bed fighting. When he leaves that's out right. the door, everything he does is he, he's fighting against his boss, the world, society. You know, financially he's fighting. And then he, when he comes home, he should always feel like with you and in his home that he is safe and that, you know, anything that's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. any hell is not going to come past that door. And so right. I say that, I ask that because if some if some body or even if he starts and it's some hell in the house whatever mm-hmm. the circumstances are around that everything got to go and not to say that that makes him right but it preserves his faith and it gives him the opportunity to say you know what because 
and, and not just necessarily the home, but just in the relationship. And again, having never been married, I've practiced it a few times, and it seems it seems to work with the mentally ill guy that I was telling you that I almost married. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my life. Um, he got to a, a anonymized house on a holiday and acted a fool. He was fine one minute and just started clowning, and I was embarrassed. But you know, I don't, I don't embarrassed very easily. So I said, oh, okay, it's time for us to go. Let's go. And, you know, he's like, I'm not going anywhere. I said, well, we're leaving. I, I was leaving. So I left, and I used to hug everybody, say goodbye, and was trying to be nice, respected him, didn't say anything, didn't check him in front of anybody. And I got in the car, and I didn't say a word, but my silence is very loud. And then, you know, once he mm-hmm. came to himself, I guess his little levels averaged out, he started crying and apologizing and all that kind of stuff. Never went there. But the point of it was, I'm not going to shame you in public even when you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to put you in a position where you ever feel unsafe even when you deserve it. Mm-hmm. So that whatever it is that you keep doing and whatever your reasoning is behind why you're doing and acting this fool that you acting, you you gonna have to I'm I'm gonna starve it out on my end, so you'll never be able to keep turning it back on me because I'm I'm not giving it a voice, mm-hmm. and you gonna have to deal with you, yeah. and I'm preserving the safety of this space in the process, and that's a hard discipline for us because you know we have plenty to say. Oh, yeah, well, that's a whole other topic in itself. How to shut <laughs> your mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> having, the having, power of hush, <laughs> and not right? only that, but but nurturing nurturing a man's uh, spirit itself is an art. Um, making sure that that man feels that you're a safe place. I know we keep saying safe place, but that he can trust you, that he can trust you with his secrets, his dreams, his weaknesses. That's a that's a huge endeavor. Um, for even a godly woman to accomplish and achieve, um, and we we definitely had some rules when we first got married. Uh, I we I told him we will not be the source of any um, cause of discord in this home. If discord is an issue in our life, it's an outside external issue, but we will not bring it within our home. This we are a safe place for each other. We. Um, we are here to support each other, to nurture each other, blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, um, that is definitely a truth to live by. I don't know if that's something that's common today that people practice or even think about or consider, but, you know, making sure that your home is a place of refuge, a place of retreat, um, is imperative to a successful marriage, you know. So yeah, you are your your dad was one hundred percent right in that regard. Um and you as a as a potential wife and you as a wife, Leah, those are all the things that you guys keep have to keep in mind on a regular basis is making sure that um the environment that you set is an environment of of conducive to his well being. So that was on a, on a you know we we can we can we can have about ten shows about <laughs> about my marriage and I'm more than happy to share to a certain extent you know because I really want to help and I really want it to be a, a tool um, for things to not do um, and things to do that you may not be doing need to do. 
and I, I think even having made mistakes, those are so, they're valuable lessons. Even in the, I, I say the half do's. Well, we we don't necessarily do things wrong, but it wasn't all the way right either. And then when you step back and you yeah. have the opportunity to look at it again, it's like, mm, could have done that a little better. So no, I can't say because I used to be the queen of that. Well, it wasn't wrong, so that's okay. As long as it wasn't wrong, <laughs> it wasn't right either. And so learning the lesson to, so that when you approach that moment again and you have that opportunity again, you won't be half doing it. You you can't just right. exit and say, yeah. well, I ain't doing it wrong, but you didn't do it right either, so it doesn't count. Right. So uh, we actually have a question. Uh, last right. four digits, 1718. 1718, you are live. What's your question? Good evening, ladies. My question is Good how evening. did you make how do you make um, – somebody mentioned that you want to make the environment um, conducive for the marriage. Mm-hmm. How do you do that, number one? And then how do you do that in a time or when maybe things aren't going so well? Mm-hmm. That was me. Um, and what I was saying was make it conducive for – uh, to nurture him and to to bring out the best in him, um, I would say as a wife, first of all, being aware and being cognizant. Um, one thing that I had to to create uh, was a very strong, mature support network, because when things aren't going well, you tend to get in your feelings more, and you tend to judge your partner. Um, and, of course, when you judge them, you're always on the top end and they're always weak and falling and failing. Um, but what I had to do was get some spiritual women in my life and mature women who would check me and who would make suggestions and remind me uh, and recenter me when I wasn't doing everything that I should have been doing. So for one, prayer, and sometimes the prayer is a prayer that you don't want to pray, you know, the prayer for me at times was, Lord, I don't even want to pray this prayer because I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated um, that I don't, I, I don't want to do what's right in this situation. Uh, but to pray it anyway, to see His heart. Um, one of the the big things we do when when things aren't well, we don't see the humanity in our our partner. Uh, but once you see that this person has exposed the the who they are, their weaknesses, their failures, their their felt dreams, the dreams that haven't come to fruition yet, and you really start to focus in on this human that is in front of me who I knew was not perfect when I married him. He's just as human as he was the day I married him, but he's even more so human because now I know a hundred times more bad things about him and good than I did at the time I married him. So I've been given this gift of his of his spirit I've been given And I say spirit I mean like his essence um, I know what his strengths are I know what his weaknesses are So I have a, the, a, a very strong ability And I want to call it a power To wield That in a positive Or negative direction And through my behaviors My speaking words of affirmation To him Even when I don't want to uh, Encouraging him um, doing things to brighten his day, taking the load off of him. Um, so for me, that may mean, of course, if he's okay with it, we may need to hire somebody to do yard work if he's going through a season where he needs to really focus on, maybe he's an entrepreneur, focus on his business. I need to be doing things that will um, 
clear him up so that he can focus more and that he can be in a, a better place. Um, then you can, I mean, looking at things even sexually, um, <clears throat> there's a, a very strong inclination for married women when things aren't going well to to no longer see their husband as sexually attractive. Um, and once they do that, then the desire to have sex with them immediately follows, and there's no sex, and then that's even more so um, a struggle for the marriage itself when we stop having sex or we just have it out of obligation. Um, so, you know, there there were times when our lights were off. We both have full-time jobs, but our lights, our electricity was off, um, where I had to, you know, he came home, we had candles. I went to, you know, the grocery store, I mean, to the, a fast food place, bought some food, fixed it up nice. We had a picnic, and nobody knew that the lights were off. And he clicked one, he realized, but I didn't talk down to him. I didn't talk crazy to him. Um, I didn't even, I mean, it's for us it started on our honeymoon where we missed our flight, and it was his fault. Um, but to not overreact and to realize this is not the end of the world, he makes mistakes, and he's human. Um, really ministering to the humanity of a man, that takes a lot of maturity, grace, and mercy. Um, because, honestly, I, I've said it already, but it's really a gift that God has given us as women to um, to really speak to all those areas in his life and only speak to it, act on it. So I don't know if I, I answered your question, because that, that question has a lot, of information I can keep going on And we may need to dedicate a whole show to it But uh, I hope I've given yeah. you uh, Just a little bit Yeah I think that's So I want to keep talking Because I know we running out of time No you're fine cause, Yeah we do have to wrap <laughs> but, I, but Wendy said it best uh, With the person she was dating before She did not want to say anything in public To shame him I think when we transfer that to our home It makes such a big difference. Um, one thing that I'm still learning because I'm sort of new in this marriage, just five years in, is that if I create a safe space of, you know, allowing him to feel like the king of the home and shutting my mouth, you know, if I want to say something, just shutting up because nine times out of ten, they're going to know when they did wrong or they're going to know that they tried to do the right thing and it just didn't work out at the time. So the last thing I want to do is make it worse by opening my mouth and saying something so the best way to have an environment is simply to be quiet and just allow you know the man to have the space they need mm-hmm. and to wrap that the, the question up um i'll just say you know as you were saying to make the environment conducive there's naturally spiritually and all other matters employ balance you know communicate responsibly a question you know and answer answer the question do i really need to say this right now it's not just do i need to say it but do i need to say it right now and then do what you do well whatever feed you're made spiritually and naturally employ that on a regular basis if that means you cook well and that's something that he enjoys do that if that means you you clean well and he that it you know helps his mental state stay in order to do that but contribute what you have to contribute and do it well do it in balance pray for him pray for yourself pray for your environment and that's my that's my addition to that comment so we're going to do our um last words any any of you have anything that you need to say thank you by the way caller we appreciate your question it was a wonderful question um anything that you ladies want to say as a final word or motivation. Well, I always, I always have a wonderful time with you, ladies. Time goes by so fast on these shows. Doesn't it? Uh, 
Yes, it does. Um, to wrap up, I'm going to go back to the skeletons topic. Again, if you have skeletons, be safe in your own environment. Know yourself. Know the person you're around. If you feel free and safe enough to reveal your skeletons, please do so. But just know the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be uh, on your relationship. Awesome, awesome. And I'll just say as a wrap up I'll just say as a wrap up to just guard your heart. Um, protect your heart, use wisdom in everything you do. Um, don't be a people pleaser. Um, but do what brings God glory and everything will work out. Uh, awesome. And my final word will be learn from every situation. Even if you bump your head, know not to do that. Hit that wall again the same way the second time and learn something and move forward with it in a positive way. But we thank you all for listening in and joining in on this week's Queen Conversation. We will be back in two weeks for wonderful conversation, more great topics, and we appreciate you, and we look forward to another week with you all again. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Have a wonderful week. To the Lord, it will be okay. Keep smiling now, it won't last always. You have endurance to test, believe in have the place every day. Everything that happened to you Keep your eyes on the prize You're gonna see your through Be not afraid Watch him when things out for you He knows all your issues Praise your way through